Has the world gone crazy? Life is difficult. When you need help, where do you turn? Welcome to Christian Impact, impacting your life with spiritual truth. I am Dr. Kelly Blanton, and I'm sharing practical truths in the Bible that can truly change your life. Today is November 29th, 2023. We continue our series, Words for Life, and today's word is sheep. Such a word in today's culture can often bring negative meaning. When you call people sheep, they're easily manipulated and controlled. Sheep from a biblical perspective is often referred to God's people. And of course, I would say, yes, God's people can be easily manipulated and controlled because that's what the world does to them. Uh, God's people tend to be sometimes naive and we follow any liar and any con man who wants to show up. That's why there's so many words in the Lord about false prophets, false teachers, false leaders, false shepherds, because there's an evil out there that's trying to seduce God's people. But again, let's get on with today's word and today's scripture passages, because I don't necessarily think we're going to go looking at a negative sheep or maybe we will. Ooh. So let me get us started with some questions here. Who are we serving? Are we serving ourselves? Are we serving others? Are we serving a cause? Are we serving the Lord? Who are we serving? Do we understand that there's a balance between justice and love? If God is our shepherd, then what kind of sheep are we? And with today's word, I want to talk about a sheep a little bit, because you see, there's many Christians that have mistaken God's power and justice. We are mistaking in what we believe they are and how they function. We mistake it, and when I say it, we're mistaking God's power and God's justice to be a tool that we can use for ourselves. However, such an idea has implications. And this is something that we need to take note of. What does it mean if God's power and justice is a tool that we can use? Now, as stated, that's a mistake. It's a mistake to believe that God's power is a tool that we can use. It's a mistake to believe God's justice is a tool that we can use. But it happens a lot. So with that, let's look at our scripture. We have three scripture passages for today. Our first one we're going to look at is going to be 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 28. It reads, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But to each one in his own order, 
Christ the firstfruits, and afterwards those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death, for he has put all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he who put all things under him is accepted. Now when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. So what does that have to do about sheep? Well, in talking about sheep, we're talking about power and justice. The power and justice of God. And here we have a passage that is full of God's power and justice. It's full of his power and that Christ is risen from the dead. That Christ is made alive. It has his coming. When all rule and authority and power is given to God. He's got his power and his justice. He puts all enemies under his feet. Death is destroyed. All things are put under him. All things are subjected. There's a lot. There's even his justice about, for since man came by death, by man also came the first resurrection. Each one in his own order. Christ is the first fruits. And afterwards, those who are Christ at his coming. This is... God's justice. The passage here, I've almost gone through and reread it again, is full of the justice and power of God. The justice that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. He's destroyed sin. He's made all things subject to him on the victory on the cross. All power is his. So as, as we get this, how does this do with sheep? Well, do we see the power and justice here? And if so, how are they administered? How are they used? In other words, who is doing the power? Who's administering the power and justice? Is it the sheep? No, it's, it's Christ. Christ is administering. Christ is using. Now, it's a applying to sheep his justice is being applied to his sheep his power is being applied to his sheep you know he he is saving us by his power he's risen from the dead for us this this victory and the power is being applied to us but we aren't the ones administrating this power it is christ we aren't the ones administrating the justice no it is christ who's administrating the justice Does this even matter? Is this really an important topic? I think we need to look at this and examine this because as sheep, we need to understand our role in these things. Let's look at our next scripture passage as we dig into this. Ezekiel chapters 34, verses 11 through 24. Now, if you look at your lectionary, it actually has a... A few verses different there. They leave out four middle verses. They go 11 
verse 11 through 16 and 20 through 24. But for context, I'm going to read verses 11 through 24, Ezekiel 34. It reads, For thus says the Lord God, Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them to their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, in the valleys of all inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in good pasture, and their fold shall be on the high mountains of Israel. They shall lie down in a good fold and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock, and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek what was lost and bring back that which was driven away. Bind up the broken and strengthen what was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong and feed them in judgment. As for you, O my flock, says the Lord God, behold, I shall judge between sheep and sheep, between ram and goats. Is it too little for you to have eaten up the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet the residue of your pasture? And to have drunk of the clear waters, that you must foul the residue with your feet. And as for my flock, they eat what you have trampled down with your feet, and they drink what you have fouled with your feet. Therefore, this is the Lord God. Behold, I myself would judge between the fat and the lean sheep, because you have pushed with side and shoulder, butted all the weak ones with your horns, and scattered them abroad. Therefore I will save my flock, and they shall no longer be a prey, and I will judge between sheep and sheep. I will establish one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them my servant David. He shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I the Lord will be their God, and my servant David a prince among them. I the Lord has spoken. Here we have Ezekiel, and he is prophesying about God's judgment of sheep. It starts off pretty casual. He's looking for his sheep. His sheep are lost. But there's a reason they're lost. There's a reason they've been scattered and this happened on a dark and cloudy day. Of course, he's talking about gathering his people. There's a lot of prophecy in this, obviously. Some prophetic that may not have happened now. And some of it is also fulfilled prophecy because he also speaks of him establishing his own shepherd, and that was Jesus. Jesus is the good shepherd. But I want us to, to notice some things in here when he says, in looking for these sheep, and when he gets them, he says he's going to judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and goats. See, this message isn't written to, quote-unquote, non-believers. Because they're not sheep. A non-believer is, is not a sheep. They're something entirely different. They're a different species, okay? They're a different variety. They may be wolves and wolves in sheep's clothing, but a wolf in a sheep's clothing is still not a sheep. No, no, he's talking about he's going to judge between sheep and sheep and between rams and goats. And see, this is interesting because what's a ram, what's a goat? Well, a goat is not a sheep. A goat is a different animal. But in the time of Israel, they they were predominantly either sheep or goat farmers, shepherds. They 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 had goats or sheep, one or the other, sometimes mixed. And I was fortunate to 
growing up, I I had some good friends, and they they had sheep. I learned a lot just from the little time they had these sheep and, and things. They had goats. And I once asked the question, uh, what do both goats and rams have in common? And I got all sorts of crazy answers. It's like they have horns. Goats have horns. And I know some goats have little horns, but I've seen goats and the family I'm referring to, they had a goat. They had, had big horns. I was always worried because you get out there and if you turned your back on him, he'd turn around and butt you in the rear. Um, I was always worried his horns were so long. I was worried about getting gored like him butting me and then raising up and his horn gutting me out. I mean, because they were good-sized horns. You know, maybe 18 inches, 24 inches of horn. And it's pointed. And so when he would charge or whatever, you, you grab the two horns on top of his head. It's interesting to note, of course, and you look at the Satanistic pentagram, the Satanism, they use the goat head with two big horns. But rams have horns. And rams, you know, they're sort of the, the leader of the flock, so to speak. Their family I, I was referred to, they've got a great story. They had horses and one, one horse, a mare, who ruled over the herd. When they would take their tractors out and they'd feed the animals at the end of the day and they were dumping out fresh hay or oats or whatever, that the mare would go and would eat first before anyone any other animal was allowed to eat this mare and any horse, she'd, she'd run off. She'd run all the animals off. And she'd eat first, and then when she was finished, she would allow other horses, a few other horses that were, I don't know, her friends. It was really weird. She had certain horses that she would allow to come eat, and then when she was done, everyone else could, could come eat. This is where these animals were. And one day, the ram with the sheep, I guess he got tired of it. And she went to keep everyone away, and he just he just rammed her. He just knocked her over, and they got in this big fight. And she would jump up, and she'd kick him. Of course, she'd kick him in the head as he's flying to ram her. And it did a horse kicking this ram in the head did nothing to him. He just sort of kind of flew in the air, rolled, and as as swiftly as he would roll, as soon as he hit his feet, he was lunging back in the air at this horse, and he beat down this mare and chased her off. And then he got between the mare and the food, and the ram allowed all the sheep and all the horses to eat. And he stayed there until everyone had eaten their fill. Then he went and got his food and left. But he would not allow that that mare to ever eat again first. Interesting. So what does this mean? Well, horns are a symbolic of power. So rams and goats here, these are leaders. A goat is not a ram. Church, there are leaders in your churches. They're not sheep. A ram is a sheep. You know, a, a pastor, a leader in your church, they're just like you. They're a person, a believer, just like you. But they have been given authority by the Lord. But what we don't understand is that there are goats leading churches. They're not sheep. They do not have your interest at heart. I also learned from this family that a lot of times they'll put goats with sheep and things because they're good at keeping coyotes away. However, the goats don't keep the coyotes away or predators because they're protecting the sheep. The goats are doing it because they're protecting their own neck and their own interest. Maybe maybe other little goatlings or whatever they're called, kids. I think I think they're called kids, uh, young goats. But 
the the goat is there for his own self-interest. And if the goat's self-interest is, I'm going to leave these sheep and run, he'll do that. Whereas a ram will not. And so likewise, there are these goats in these churches. They're only there for their own self-interest. When push comes to shove, they will leave you out to dry. They are a goat. And unfortunately, sheep that follow the goats will do the things that goats do. And you see this in this prophecy. These, these goats, these bad leaders, they have trampled down the pastures so that what the sheep have to eat is the residue that they've stepped on. Oh, they've fouled with their feet. There are leaders in the church that have, you know, their sin and stuff is so trampled down the word of God that what the people of God are eating is like food that's been foul stuff on. It's trampled under their feet. You're, you're eating the garbage that they send you. And it's sick. And you see this in compromises in churches. I watched a video of the day of, of a church that's having controversy and someone was going to protest outside the church on a city easement. And these church members came out and were like threatening to beat him up. What sort of Christianity is that? How can you say we're about love and then you're threatening someone who's in a public easement protesting? I know that may make you mad, but as a Christian, should we go out there and threaten violence? Is that what Jesus has said? Did we not understand Jesus when he rebuked Peter for that? But if you've got a goat, sheep begin acting like goats. And God says he's going to judge between sheep and sheep. In other words, between real sheep that follow him versus sheep that follow the goats. He's going to judge between the ram and the goats. And that's when he and he says between the fat and the lean. In other words, you know, these goats, these, these false ministers, they're, they're, they're fat. They, they've, they're taking all the good stuff while people in the church are lean. They're starving to death spiritually. God says you've pushed them. You've butted the weak one with your horns. You've used your authority. You scattered my people. And God, he says he's had enough. And he judges between sheep. And he says that he will establish one shepherd over them. Of course, that shepherd is Christ. That he's going he's gonna to get rid of this idea. He's going to put Jesus over us all. Let's go one more scripture verse before I just get too preachy here. Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. It says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory, and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on the right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in? naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on the left, Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, 
prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, Assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now, in all reality, this Matthew passage, which is prophetic, this is Jesus prophesying it forward, but it's also a fulfillment of the Ezekiel passage because Jesus is becoming the shepherd. He is the shepherd. And he is he's come to to make this judgment call. He's come to hold accountable the shepherds he's put in charge. He's come to hold the sheep accountable for their actions. And one thing I always like to point out about this passage is about sheep and the goats is that this is not a judgment of the world. This is a judgment of God's people because he's calling them my brethren, my brothers. Unbelievers are not his brothers. Something to think about. It says, again, talking about sheep from Ezekiel, there were sheep that followed goats. No goats. Yeah, they're a different species, but they, they hurt the sheep. And I know I don't want to get into the whole theology of what am I getting into in times prophecy or something, but I want us to see something here that when it comes to the sheep and the goats and this judgment, that both of them are not, they do not consciously realize their success or failure. They're not consciously aware of what they've done. Because they're shocked by what Jesus says. You know, when did this happen, Lord? When did you do this? Neither one of them saw that. They were not consciously aware of it. However, this success or failure of theirs was based on the, quote, daily doing. Daily doings. Say that real quick five times. My tongue is tied. The daily doings of what they do in life. In other words, their faith had become so natural that it became an integral part of their life, their outward expression of living. The sheep, those that were righteous, they didn't think about, oh, this person's hungry, I should do this to score points with the Lord. Or they didn't go, oh, look, there's Jesus and he's hungry and he's in this person, that's they, it was unconscious. They just saw it, and the unconscious, this is what they normally do. They just did it because that's that's how you live. Likewise, those that did not do these things, they did what they normally would do in life. They didn't sit there and go, oh, well, that, I think that person looks like Jesus. I'm going to not do this for him. No, on the contrary, if they could have seen Jesus in him, they would have done that they would have taken care of him because it was jesus but because it wasn't it was just another brethren in other words this is one sheep looking at another sheep saying this sheep is in need well i don't want to help them they're just 
They're just a sheep. They're just like me, and I'm going to turn my back. Some other sheep can help them. Reminds me a lot of the, the priest and the Levite in the story of the Good Samaritan that walked past the guy beat up, a fellow Israelite, and they passed him by. The religious people passed him by. And I think this is a little clue about what makes a goat is that a goat thinks they're a sheep, but they're only in it for themselves. They're only in it for their own interest. And they're not even conscious about it. It's just the fruit that comes out. And Jesus says to those people, he doesn't know you. You didn't do it to his brother and you didn't do it to him. So the implications are high. The importance of the church to care for the church sheep, we need to take care of each other. The Lord said that the world will know that we're his disciples by our love for one another. I mean, how can we as a church go about caring for the world if our house isn't in order? And we say house is in order and you immediately begin to think about, you know, your spouse or your children. Is everything looking good? That No, the house is the house of the Lord. Are we taking care of our brothers and sisters in Christ? Is there a need that's not getting met that we could meet, but we just don't want to because it goes against my self-interest? We're entering into Christmas, the time of peace on earth, goodwill to all. Brethren, that's not about peace on earth, goodwill to my me and my family, me and my loved ones, it, the brothers and sisters in Christ. There are brothers and sisters in Christ today that are hurting. They have lost loved ones and they're alone. They're, they're, they're hurting because of inflation. Some of them are, are fighting to get bills paid. Would it be so much to invite them over, spend some time with them, give them food and drink? I understand many of you are struggling too, and you can't hardly pay your own bills, let alone someone else's bills. But what can you do? What is in your ability? How is it possible for you to love your brethren? See, that's 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 my challenge for today with this word of sheep is how can we love each other? How can we best show this? Because the Lord is coming. He will. There will be some accountability on the table. And I'm not trying to scare us. I'm not trying to you know, let's fear monger you into doing the right thing. But I want to serve the Lord. I want to love the Lord and I want to serve the Lord. And if you're listening to this, I believe you want to serve the Lord too. And the best way to serve the Lord is to realize that when we see our brethren, the Lord is in them. We're not just doing it to people. We're doing it to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you have all power and justice, God. Father, I thank you that it's not for me to use justice and to judge people and to beat them up and to say, you have to meet my standards. God, it's, it's not... Your power doesn't flow through me, God, so that I can dictate my desires and wants. But Father, you came to set us free from sin. You came to love us, God. You performed justice on the cross, God, and now you're asking us in justice to love one another. Father, I pray, God, as Christmas rolls around, God, that you give us new hearts, God. 
to love others, God, to see you in our brethren, God. That, Father, that you would help there not be disunity in your body, God, but that we would learn to love one another, show grace, God, to one another, and to serve you and to be a light to the world, God. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. We thank you for listening to this podcast for this little little message here. You can check out other lessons at our website at www.christianimpact.net. We hope you have a great holiday season, and until next time, God bless. Oh.